available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions. We're doing the, you the service of talking about the Pac-12 when no one else will. That's what we're doing here, folks. Pac-12 that podcast. That's doing. Huh? That is all we're doing. Yes. That is all we're doing. We're trying. Uh, Pac-12podcast.com is our website if you want to go there you can follow us on twitter at pac12 podcast email us pac12 podcast at gmail.com or you can call us 641-715-3900 extension 734-972 and uh not that we've been checking our emails or anything lately dave i don't know if we're <laughs> we're we're kind of a shoestring operation these days yeah really. i mean it's there's there's not a whole lot of back end going on here i thought we were a well-oiled machine last year with the two shows a week and then things yeah. just got kind of crazy and now we're it's like like uh so we had the honeymoon phase like we had the the year where we had we're like the new coach and you know everyone's <laughs> happy with us we win you know eight games and everyone's super stoked and now we're you know we're stumbling over ourselves we just had our first long off season and yeah, you know, we're just we're just a mess. But you know, we're gonna iron out the kinks. We've got a long buyout. We've got a lot. We've got a lot to work with here. Yeah. Um. So we, and and one thing we want to keep track of our picks because I thought we did a good job at our picks last year. We didn't really write them down. If you guys wrote them down from week one and want to email us, we'll actually read that. Um, email us our results from last week against the spread. That would be wonderful. We'll put them up on the website. Because we'll, we can't bear to listen to our podcast again. Yeah, it's just, you know, to really go through that whole thing, it's like over an hour and listen just for our picks. Like, nah, I don't know if we're going to do that. But if you did, you might have wrote them down. You might try to compare yourself to our picks. Uh, but we'll do them now. I'm going to write, I got my little pen and paper, write them down. And uh, we got our power rankings. Yeah. So that should be cool. Yeah. Um, but overall, and Dave, I do have some big news. Bring me it. Big Pac-12 news. Bring it to me. Uh, so within... Like two days, I have two places where I can watch television that's like mine. I have my little studio here where I am right now, my office, and I have a uh, internet connection, but I have a Sling TV, which I don't know if you know, but those like cord cutters use that. And you get a like cool ESPN stuff, you get sports stuff, and you also get like CNN and Bravo and stuff like that, whatever. But it's like cable, but it's like 20 bucks a month. Um, and I have an antenna in here. So I do that in my office and then. At home, I have, uh, was Verizon Fios. Now it's, uh, Frontier here in Los Angeles. And within two days, they both, both Sling TV and, uh, Frontier got the Pac-12 network. So now I can watch the Pac-12 network. I'm extremely excited. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. You'll be able to watch, um, all of these great 11 a.m. games <laughs> that'll be played this year. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Just the, I mean, the recaps, I mean, it helps for us, like, to be able to oh. go on and, and do the recaps. And the, the Pac-12 office was really nice. Like, they would send me a code every once in a while um, that would work. But it's just nice to have it. Uh, now, on, the, on my Frontier in the, in the office, it's not showing up on the guide yet, but you can actually just tune the channel in manually and get it. So it's not easy to, like, put as a favorite and record stuff or anything. Um, but on Sling TV, and Sling TV, it gets the six regional networks, but I don't think it gets the 
the national one yet. So I got to check on that, but I'm really excited. I get some, some Pac-12 network love. It's hard to do the podcast of champions and not get the Pac-12 network. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's a, that's a barrier to entry to, uh, be an effective podcaster of the, uh, of the Pac-12. Um, not that anybody really needs a podcast about the Pac-12 after this opening weekend. It wasn't uh, very good, huh? No, no. I think the Pac-12 as a whole looked, uh, pretty poopy. I mean, you start with Cal a couple weeks ago. Obviously, they put the screws to Hawaii, but, uh, we're going to get to each and every one of these games when we're, uh, previewing this week, but generally just not a good week. Not, not, not good at all. Um, a few teams stood out, but overall, I mean, there was another embarrassing loss to an FCS program. Um, you know, out of conference games that were thought to be more or less toss ups ended up going the other way. Uh, and there was a, uh, pretty extreme blowout of the, uh, of the flag bearer of the Pac 12. So a lot to discuss. There is a lot to discuss. So uh, we should probably, Dave, kind of just jump right into it. We'll go through. Um, do we want to go reverse order or do we? I think we go reverse order. I think we start at the bottom and we right. work our way to the top. And you might be surprised at our order of, and, and Dave kind of like I was putting, when I put this together, I was putting more where I thought like who would beat who, you know, you expect like USC gets blown out by Alabama, but you expect them to, you know, still be good. Um, but I like the way that Dave kind of convinced me we need to do it with what you showed in week one. So we're only going to rank them snapshot in time. Yeah. Snap. So we're going to rank on what they did, <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny, but, um, we're, we're really both... just doing it to anger the people who, uh, father, follow us most closely. Right. Yes. <laughs> we were not kind to either USC or UCLA. All right. Well, let's jump in with our Pac 12 roundup. All right. So who are we leading off with first? All right. So because we're going reverse order, um, this, you know, you know, it's, I guess it's new. We usually have, two regular cellar dwellers and so we have someone that's that's new in the 12 spot we have washington state cougars and we're sorry cougar fans we know you had a nice year last year and we know you're probably poised for another nice year this year but once again you opened a season by cooging it hard um washington state lost to eastern washington this past weekend 45 42 um, just couldn't stop them, could not get a stop. Um, and Eastern Washington's not a bad FCS program. I don't know why Pac-12 teams keep scheduling them, but um, probably money. They probably get a lot of money for it. But uh, Eastern Washington is uh, is uh, is a kind of a killer of um, of Pac-12 teams, and they did it again. And uh, Washington State once again opens a season with a loss to an FCS program. It didn't seem to hurt them too badly last year. They ended up nine and three. So what do you think? Is this going to be a deal breaker for Mike Leach? Oh man. I mean, you, you got the weapons that you have up there. Your yeah. defense has to do something to get off the field. Yeah. And it just, it's a bad look because then like last year, they, they lose that opening game to an FCS school and then you win nine games. You beat some good teams in the Pac 12. Overall, it just doesn't help the conference brand. And certainly I don't think this is, uh, this is very, this is very beneficial. I mean, they got to be tired of this. If, especially if they go on another run, you just have to look back and like, what is Mike Leach doing that he can't get ready for the first game of the season against an FCS school? Yeah. And, you know, they, they kind of scuffled their way through the first couple of games of the season after that, too. So it took a while for them to write the ship. You know, I, I mean, last year we were saying it at the time, but they were, they were that game away from being ranked at the end of the year, 10 and 2 and going to a, probably a better bowl game. So. Um, that was, that kind of was a limiter on, 
you know, how people would think about the season, but obviously they finished in the Pac-12 the way they finished and they did a nice job. So the offense looked really good, but the defense looked arguably worse than last year. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. Their next game is this Saturday at 7.15 p.m. on ESPN2 going on the road to Boise State, um, a Boise State team that everyone seems to be pretty high on um, as a as a group of five program. Boise State's favored by 11 points in this one at home on the blue turf, uh, which means that odds makers think they're just eight points better on a neutral field. You agree with that? Eight points, huh? Well, so, they're they're favored by eleven, but on a neutral field, it would be eight. It's it's you kind of get the feeling that Washington State's going to bounce back, you know, like and they'll they'll play well on this one. Um, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. And Washington State can score a bunch of points. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, Leach is zero and five in season openers at Washington State. That's pretty terrible. I dude. had no idea. You're you're kidding? No, zero and five. Wow, I'd never looked that up. Wow. <laughs> Um, cannot get them ready for a season. I, apparently not. I, I kind of, you know, I, are we doing the picks now or are we just going to, we don't have Oh to. yeah, let's, let's make them. I think I'm going to take, so it's Washington State will get 11 points. Right? Washington State gets 11. I'm going to take Washington State in the 11 points. You know, they, it, they're going to score a bunch. Um, I think they'll keep it with, I, you know, they'll probably lose, but I think they're going to keep it on 11. Just Luke Falk is great. Gabe Marks is awesome. Uh, you know, they, they gotta replace some dudes on, on both lines. I know that kinda hurt them. And they probably will, won't get off the field all that much against Boise State, but they'll score. So I'll take WSU plus 11. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at, it. Boise State's defense is gonna be pretty good. Um, but Washington State's offense is probably the strength. I mean, obviously the strength. I don't think there's much else that's strong about this Washington State team right now. Um, so that's kind of a strength on strength thing. It's just a question of if Washington State's defense can get any stops ever. Um, they weren't able to stop a FCS program, so it makes you think they'll stop a Boise State team. It's going to be pretty strong this year. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling the same thing. I think Washington State, I, I don't think they're going to win outright. I think they're going to lose this game, but I don't see it as an 11 pointer. I think it's going to be something on the order of 38-31. That sounds about right to me. Um, Boise State. So give me a, give me Washington State in the points. Okay. I think this one might be in the 40s too. Uh, we'll it could see. be easily. I mean, the over/under set at seventy-four, so that means uh, one of these teams is scoring forty. Yeah, at least that's what they think. Yeah, that's what um, they think. All right. No, anything. They don't make any money in Vegas. No. Bounce back, Mike Leach. You're better yeah. than that. Oh, You're better than that, Mike. Zero oh, and five in openers. Um, all right. Little research I do. Yeah, it's worthwhile. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So, okay, so next up, number eleven in the power rankings. Oregon State Beavers. And this is the one area where I think we might have been a little unfair given our ethos with these power rankings that we determined about three seconds ago. Um, cause I actually thought they played pretty well against Minnesota. Um, Oregon State went on the road to Minnesota this past weekend, lost 30 to 23, but they were leading heading into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, this was a game that, uh, I, I think I tweeted at the time, Oregon State looked like a real football team. Um, not like last year when it was just kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> by about the third game of the year, they were playing out the string. Um, you know, Daryl Garrettson, I thought looked like a competent quarterback, which is something they really didn't have last year. They didn't have competent quarterback play. Um, defensively, they did some nice stuff. Um, it wasn't great, but they did some okay stuff. Their run defense, not awesome, but, 
Um, offensively, there's there's some pieces there. Um, I don't think Oregon State's going to win a whole lot this year, but I think there's enough there that they're going to be dangerous to a couple of teams this year. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised with with how how well they played um, on the road in an opener against Minnesota. I thought that was uh, that was pretty neat to see. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of this game? I did. I get to watch some of it. Um, yeah, what's I, I wanted to see what the deal with Garrettson was, like what his story is. But I thought he looked pretty good. You know, Ryan Nall's a big running back who's powerful. Victor Bolden, I thought was doing a good job. And you know, the you know having to replace Kalani Sataki, they got that three four defense in there. They got some defensive tackles back. I thought they looked pretty good. I mean, I, I mean defensively, I thought I thought it was pretty. It was like a solid team, like a real team. I think it's a good way to put it, David. Yeah. They looked like a real team. Yeah, and I, I don't think this Minnesota team's any great shakes, but I thought their defense was actually legit, and Oregon State was able to move the ball on them. Um, not to any great extent, but it was a, it was kind of a slower paced Big Ten style of game. Um, I think, you know, Minnesota, they didn't, I, I don't even think they broke 300 yards of total offense. Um, it was just kind of one of those grinded out games, and I thought Oregon State matched up pretty well. Um, so that was interesting to see, and you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Oregon State can do, kind of going forward from this point. I think they might be. Are they off this week? Bye week, yeah, yeah. So early bye week for Oregon State. I would kind of, you know, I don't know that that necessarily plays to their advantage because I think after putting together a pretty credible performance against Minnesota, I think they'd like to keep that going a little bit. But um, they get Idaho State again in a couple of weeks, but or next week, but. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty credible game, and I think if you're an Oregon State fan, you know you're not looking for. I don't think you're super optimistic about a bowl game this year, but I think you want to see positive signs like that. And I don't think there's any way to take that Minnesota game as anything other than a positive sign. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's it's nice we get them out of the the, the cellar. Um, you know, they were zero and nine in the conference last year. Try obviously try to. To get a win or two, there's some certain there's some winnable games, and I think there's you know there's wins to be had if they look like that. And it was kind of you know Gary Anderson was you know came from the Big Tw- from the uh, Big Ten, so it kind of looked like a Big Ten game. But they can do that slobber knocker kind of stuff, and you know run null and run yeah. some clock, and 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 probably beat some teams in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean I, I don't think if they play like that every single game this year, they're going to be a, a three or four win team. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to play that well in every single game this year, but I think if they keep up and keep a steady rate of progress, I think people are going to, I think the reasonable Oregon State fans at the end of the year are going to be pretty pleased with the result. And to be fair, like Dave wanted to rank Oregon State much higher. We probably should, we probably should have put them a little higher. Just the, the performance them, wise. Yeah. I had them like seven or eight because I was doing the, uh, what have you done for me lately type thing. And I thought they looked the best of the losing teams, but. I was overruled, and understandably so. I mean, I think ranking ranking that team that's probably going to win no more than three games this year is probably a little silly. All right, should we? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Move on. Move on up. Move on up to the east side. Number ten. USC Trojans. <laughs> and I had USC originally eleven, um, but, <laughs> but we, we moved them up to ten after discussing it. Um, and that wasn't because Ryan was campaigning for it. We just decided we didn't want a full riot on our hands. Uh, <laughs> just for what you did, just because they got beat so badly and looked so terrible, it's not. Not that you yeah. think if you play, if USC and Oregon State play, we would probably both pick USC to win. But just the way they looked in that game. So if if you were abducted by aliens after the first quarter of this game, and then you were dropped back down like at the end of the game, 
you would have thought you had time warped ahead like three years and it was an entirely <laughs> different contest. It right? Was, yeah. I mean, I was there and uh, did not expect, um, you know, I picked uh, Alabama to cover, but they th- covered. Yeah, they, they did. Covered, they certainly right? covered and, and then some. Um, but when they were playing like that, you kind of got the feeling that the floodgates were going to open at some point that, that Alabama would every time they punted the ball was 55 yards and they, you know, that when they did stuff, it was done well. Like, yeah, they weren't moving the football and, but you know, everything else they were doing was, was working. And you could just tell that eventually they're going to take over this game and USC would have to keep playing perfectly. And then you start getting penalties on special teams or short punts, like that kind of stuff was just going to kill you. And they weren't doing that for the first like 22 minutes of the game. Then it just started the, the floodgates open. And that, you know, one of the things was you have a brand new coaching staff. Are they going to be able to write the ship after you get punched in the mouth? Cause at some point Alabama was going to punch you in the mouth and they just collapsed the canvas and didn't get up. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I was actually people look at, Oh, they gave up 52 points. I was impressed with what they did on defense. Um, the way they Honestly, were, fly- yeah, yeah, they flew around. They were playing. I think they played to what their athlete strength. Now they, you're going to make some mistakes when you play aggressively. They made way too many mistakes and get, you know, just blown coverages, two guys blitzing from the same side, leave a wide receiver wide open for a touchdown. Like that's not the kind of mistakes you want. Um, so he's going to have to kind of shore that up a little bit, but I like the aggressiveness they played on defense. It looked like the defense was coached. It didn't look like the offense was coached to me. No, and that's and that's kind of I think if I was a if I, if I was an SC fan, that would be the big worrying sign for me, because Clay Helton's supposed to be an offensive coach, and you end up with six points, horrible quarterback play, but horrible quarterback play largely because nobody was getting open. Um, you know, Juju Smith was bracketed, but I mean, none of the other guys did anything. I mean, Darius Rogers had a couple of nice catches, but otherwise it was just a whole lot of nothing. And when you look at the I mean, I'm going through the list of these guys who are in USC's receiving core. These dudes should be making plays against that secondary. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they weren't, I think, is kind of ridiculous. And then the rushing offense, I mean, I thought the offensive line, you know, touted in the offseason, and I thought understandably so, given the experience they had, touted in the offseason as potentially the best offensive line or, you know, top three in the Pac-12. I thought they just kind of laid down for this Alabama defense. Um, just didn't play particularly well. Didn't even look like they can run block. I mean, it was just such a poor performance. It felt like, you know, they, they kind of went, went with them for about a quarter and then SC essentially just ran out of gas. It was, it was, it was kind of weird to watch because after the first quarter, I was like, wow, this SC team might be, you know, really legit this year. And then it turned into what the, Biggest loss for SC in like 50 years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, there's only, they've only lost by 40 three times in the history of the program. So it was like 1947 against Michigan, uh, 51 nothing in 1966 against Notre Dame. And then this one. So it's a historic loss. Yeah. The, the offensive line was the biggest disappointment to me. When you bring in Neil Callaway, you thought there'd be more of an ass kissing, ass kissing, ass kicking. <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it was ass kissing. I don't know, kicking kind of thing, and there was no asses being kicked on. Well, there the were just not the way yeah. you want to be kicked. Their uh, own kicks, yeah, yeah. Especially going from the uh, the great luminary that is Bob Connolly to anybody else, yes. was, there'd be a step up. But um, <laughs> you no, know, I, I, legitimately, I was watching it. and I'm like, D- it doesn't look like these guys even know how to run block. Like after a while, it was just like, what are, what what are they even trying to do? 
Um, it was, uh, that was very strange. It's strange to see that much talent just look so flummoxed by another team. And it wasn't like Alabama was, I mean, they started off the game doing, trying to do a bunch of tricky stuff and it wasn't working for them. But by midway through the second quarter, they were just pounding the ball. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, SC just couldn't do much about it. And it was weird. Um, so this week, um, so, so walk me through it. Juju Smith took his ball and went home and said, I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> Talk me through the pout. Oh, he like, got, yeah. So there was one. So I think the defensive backs were kind of getting into him a little bit and being physical on the Tuesday, their full pads practice. And so he had walked off the field once and like was pounding on the, the wall to between the, the football field and the, uh, the baseball area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of coaches had to come over and like console him. And then, I think it was nine on seven when they do like, that's usually pretty physical. It's like the running kind of drills. Um, pass went his way. They were on him pretty good. I think, it, you know, went off his hands out of bounds and, uh, he was right into the defensive players and, you know, he was fighting with, I think it was Achille Ross and then ended up fighting with somebody else and it went to the ground and they were like, it was like, you know, crazy. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? And then he walked off the field again and Dory Jackson had to come over. So his frustration level, is obviously really high, you know, catching one ball, not being targeted very often. Um, so I think last year the big problem was Juju Smith's like so much of the, you know, such a high percentage of the offense. Um, maybe that's what they need. I don't know because the other guys didn't really step up and make plays. So, uh, they got to get him back and get him right against Utah State, who's not a, a pushover team by any means. But yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a lot of frustration. You could tell on Juju's part in practice this week. All right, so let's talk this Utah State game. Um, Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time on the Pac-12 network, which Ryan can now watch. I can watch. So if he wanted to avoid going to the Coliseum, which will be half full, he could. Uh, Utah State coming on the road to USC. Utah State's 1-0. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, probably better team than USC. Uh, the Trojans are favored, though, by 16.5 points. Um, I, I So I can go one of two ways on this. Um, if they're in full collapse mode, USC and you know obviously I'm being a hater but there's there's an element where that could be the case because USC's you know kind of had that tendency the last few years um if they're in full collapse mode they could lose this game but I I I tend to think they're going to rally um a little bit this early in the season for a new coach I don't you know if this was the end of the season and it'd been a long frustrating season I could absolutely see the collapse game against a lesser opponent but I, I have to think they're going to rally after being embarrassed because that that's the thing. It wasn't just that they got beaten. I mean, that was an embarrassing loss, and it's been an embarrassing week, and it was an embarrassing previous week with all the Osa Messina and all that kind of stuff. So I I, I have to think USC is going to rally a little bit, and so I'm thinking they're going to they're going to cover, but I'm I'm going like I'm going like thirty one fourteen. They're wow. they'll cover by half a point. Wow. Um. Well, I'm a math guy. As you know, my previous life, I was an electrical engineer. Um, USC scored six points all season and now they're favored by 16 and a half. Like they haven't scored a touchdown yet. <laughs> I, there's no way I'm taking the points all day long. Uh, oh, not, wow. yeah. you are selling hard. You are selling hard on USC. I mean, I'm trying to win. Like this is about, this is about, this is about like, okay, I'm going to try to make a, a informed decision on what's going on here. I, USC could certainly come out and beat them by three touchdowns. Um, I mean, that's obviously they're you know, we, way better athletes and all that kind of stuff. But to me, they just, there were so many problems on offense that 
yes, Alabama is the you know the best defense you're going to see in college football, but there I think there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds too, and I think there's a lot of problems that even playing against the scout team, and this is going to be a pretty good uh, Utah State team. I think they're well coached. Matt Wells is a great coach. Um, they're going to be able to disrupt this offense, and until they go out and prove that they can score a bunch of points, I'm just thinking it's not going to be a very dynamic offense for USC this year, and they're going to rely on the defense. So you give me 16.5 points against a team that's only scored six all year, I'm going to take those points. So, all right, then then just give me a quick answer. Yeah. What's your percentage chance that Utah State wins this game? It's at not 11 a.m. at 11 a.m. Yes, in front of a half full coliseum. It, it will be, and um, it's uh, and it could be a trap game with Stanford and Utah right after that. You know, between Alabama, uh, you yeah. have Stanford. So, I, what I would tell people is it's non-negligible. It's not like um, there's some minute chance. I would go the 20 to 25 percent range that Utah State could yeah. win this game. That's a legit percentage right there. Yeah. That's no, I think 10%. that's, that's, that's a one in four chance, one in five chance. Yeah. No, I think that's, I mean, you just look at the way this game could play out and Utah State's been really close to being the giant beaters and they've beat some good teams. It's just been hard to beat the power five teams and they've come real close. They played USC three years ago, 17, 14 and took some weird special teams, like some weird stuff happened that allowed USC to win that game. Um, and that was probably a better team a few years ago. So until USC kind of proves it to me, I'm going to, you know, I don't, I just don't think this offense is going to be all that good. So 16 and a half points, I'm all over it. All right, cool. Let's move on. Next up, UCLA Bruins. <laughs> number nine, oh. we have them at number nine. Yeah, mentioned. number nine, UCLA. Um, this is, this is me probably being a little too close to that program. So I, I had them ranked higher. So I don't know. Yeah. You had them ranked higher. I had them ranked, uh, quite a bit lower. I, that's kind of the, the tone of this whole thing. You had, uh, I think the, the teams that we think will be, you know, riding the ship later on in the year a little bit higher. But so UCLA went on the road to Texas A&M, lost 31-24. But really this game, I mean, it was, it was looking pretty ugly after the third quarter. Uh, A&M was up. Uh, 24 to nine. UCLA's offense just looked so out of sync. And then, um, Noel Mazzoni, the gift that keeps on giving to UCLA, even when he is no longer the offensive coordinator, called a really strange fourth quarter that, um, helped UCLA get back into it. Josh Rosen also got in a rhythm a little bit more. Um, and so they scored 15 quick ones in the fourth quarter, um, and tied it up. And it was really dramatic, lots of fun. Um, and then UCLA in overtime. Gave up the touchdown, couldn't score themselves, and that was all she wrote. Um, the big stories from it, UCLA's receivers really struggled catching the ball. Uh, Josh Rosen really struggled finding open guys, um, hitting passes the way he should. He threw a couple of, I mean, he threw one pick that you would see. Like if, I, I've made this analogy a couple of times in other ways, but I don't mind being unoriginal. Um, he, uh, he threw a pick that if you were a high school sophomore and you threw that interception, you might have been pulled from the game. Wow. Uh, he was falling down and he just kind of flips it up and he can't even really see where it's going. And the DB, former UCLA Bruin Priest Willis, picked it off very easily. Um, and so he just looked really out of sync. The offensive line didn't look good. Running backs looked good, but, um, there wasn't a whole lot to do with, uh, the offensive line not looking very good. And defensively, once, um, I talked about him in our, in our preview of the, of the whole season. Takaris McKinley, once defensive end Takaris McKinley went down, uh, UCLA had basically no pass rush. So 
there were a lot of concerns that came out of this game for me, um, and so that's why I had him ranked ninth. How much of this game did you get to watch? Uh, it's funny. I got, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. I got to watch uh, while I was in the press box at Jerry's World. Um, they were, you know, we were playing it there, so we were kind of catching what we could. And then they started putting it on the the huge TV screen that they have there, which is like as big a bu- as a building. It's like six stories high. Like it's insane. Right. Um, but so we're watching that, and so it's pregame. And there's a lot of fans in the stands waiting and they're showing this game and there's cheering and booing or whatever, you know, when this stuff would happen. And we were trying to figure out who's rooting for who. Like, are the Alabama fans rooting for the SEC or do they hate Texas A&M? The USC fans definitely were rooting for Texas A&M. Um, so it was kind of like it was funny to kind of watch an SEC crowd and a Pac-12 crowd watching this huge TV like together in the same room <laughs> and then watching the game. Um, but it's kind of funny, but yeah, you turn around like, holy crap, UCLA came back. Like, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, I didn't get the, uh, what I wanted to see was, uh, the, the experienced tackles for UCLA going against those, you know, great pass rushers for A&M. How did you think that matchup? I know the, the interior is kind of tough, but the tackles should be good for UCLA. The win, the win definitely goes to Texas A&M there. Um, so Miles Garrett pretty much had his way with Connor McDermott on the left side. Um, on the right side, actually, surprisingly, Colton Miller held his own really well. Um, he probably graded out as the best offensive lineman of the day for UCLA. Um, he's the right tackle who's kind of the McDermott clone, but he's probably a little stronger, um, plays with a little bit more of that kind of tenacity, that, you know, kind of that jerk mentality, um, which is kind of what you want out of a, any kind of lineman, but as an offensive lineman especially. The only success UCLA had running the ball was around Miller. Um, but against those two pass rushers, um, McDermott really struggled against Garrett, which you understand. I mean, he's the yeah. probably the best defensive end in the country, but I don't think it did anything great for McDermott's, um, you know, draft stock, that whole thing. But he can rally. I mean, it's 11 games over the remaining of the regular season, and then there'll be a bowl game, the whole deal. And if he shows well in that period, I think he's still going to be a pretty nice draft pick. But, um, I think uh, th- this won't be filmed that he wants to show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I-, I think there were a lot of concerns out of this game. Um, UCLA is, they were 16th going into that game. They're no longer ranked, and I think they're going to have to earn their way back in. And I guess that campaign starts Saturday at 5 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network as well. Um, Ooh, another UNLV. Pac-12 Network game, huh? Yeah, another Pac-12 Network game. Uh, UNLV coming to the Rose Bowl. To take on UCLA, UNLV one and zero, UCLA zero and one. So I mean, this is a neck and neck fight. So, Somehow, some way, UCLA is favored by twenty six points. Twenty six, twenty six points. Um, which again, kind of in your vein of your USC thing, um, UCLA hasn't scored twenty six points this year. So, I don't, I don't know about that one. Um, that's a lot of points, man. It's a lot of points, and UNLV's. I mean, they're, they were, I mean, they're not a good team. Don't get me, don't yeah. get me like, like I'm talking about how good UNLV is, but they were surprisingly frisky at times last year. Um, they won three games and they were in it in three other ones. So they were a really lucky season from being six and six in a bowl game, which if you know anything about the UNLV program, that's incredible. Um, and their offense is okay. They've got Johnny Stanton now at quarterback. I mean, they've got some pieces. So. I don't think they're a joke opponent. I, I think they're a cut above that. I, I think UCLA should be able to beat them pretty handily, but 26 feels like a lot. I'm probably, I, I picked it in our, uh, in our preview. I, I picked 34 17. 
I'm kind of feeling that way. I think UCLA wins by, you know, a comfortable three scores, but, um, I'm not seeing a 26 point margin until I see this offense really click. And that's kind of the way I'm going right now. Okay. Um, UNLV does have a high school coach though, right? Like they, they got Bishop still, Gorman. St- still have a high school coach. Yes. Uh, man, this is tough. I think I got to do, I got to go with the same thing. If I got to use the logic, it's just, that's a lot of points. And I think UCLA is going to be better. And there are a lot of people that pick them to win the South, me included. Um, I picked them third. Just you did. Uh, and I think I picked UCLA to cover in this. Wasn't it like a one and a half point spread? Uh, against Texas A&M? Yeah. A&M was favored by three and then it bumped to five by game time. Okay. So I think I took UCLA in the points and you might have took A&M. I don't remember. It was something like that. Um, I think I ended up taking UCLA because I legitimately, if, if Josh Rosen is a little bit more accurate or receivers catch like two more balls, they would have won by like 10 in regulation. But whatever. So, uh, okay. I'll, I'll go with you. I'm going to go, um, UNLV in the points here just because it's a lot of freaking points and it's, I think there'll be some improvement and, you know, Jim Moore knows what he's doing. I think he'll get right some of the stuff that's been, that was wrong in that first week. And it's, you know, it's nice to be able to do it against a team like UNLV, but maybe by week three, yeah. uh, things will be a little bit better, but I'm, 26 is a lot. I'm just going to, I'll take UNLV. All right. Moving on. Moving on. We have number eight. Arizona Wildcats. All right. So the Arizona Wildcats were the first of the Pac-12 teams, the many Pac-12 teams that will play BYU this year. And Arizona lost, um, scored no points in the first half, uh, didn't score really anything until the fourth quarter when they rallied for 13 points. But um, BYU's offense didn't look great either, or maybe Arizona's defense looked good. We, we're willing to go either way. Um, but, uh, probably the concern is that Arizona's offense, which is Rich Rodriguez's calling card, looked pretty poopy. Um, a new Solomon had a bad game and apparently he suffered a knee injury in practice this week and, um, sounds like he's going to miss this week and, uh, there weren't further details at this point. So, um, we'll see on that one, but, um, BYU looks kind of the way I expected them. Um, tough, you know, slightly dirty team um uh now coached by kalani sataki formerly of uh, oregon state defensive coordinator fame um but a new solomon didn't look good in this one we'll see what happens with him um nick wilson for the running game looked good but they i they just didn't really get a whole lot going um just offensively in general i think the offense the uh the passing game was just so poor in this one that it kind of prevented them from really generating much and byu Gave them a lot of looks where it was kind of daring them to pass, and uh, Arizona just really wasn't able to do a whole lot. So um, they're obviously going to hope to rally this week, but I, I don't even know what they're going to do with the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean Nick Wilson's still a stud, but you got to have good quarterback play, and uh, it's been so up and down for Arizona. I yeah. don't think this, you know, and this was a game they looked like they had one at the end, uh, and. BYU just does this though. They'll kick the last second field goal. Like they just always seem to have some last second win, come from behind or whatever. It just it looked like there was a real shot here, and I think it would have been a nice W for the uh, Pac-12 to kind of get things rolling. And uh, obviously that didn't come to fruition. But I don't know. It, it, Arizona, what do you think? They kind of end up at eight. Do you think they they'll end up higher? They'll end up lower? I, it, this might be where they they are most of the year. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I don't think they're going to vary too far from eight. I mean, I think they're, uh, you know, we said it before the year. I think they're, I thought they were the better of the two Arizona schools. The Solomon injury and honestly how they looked in general offensively might, um, throw that out of whack. I could see them dropping a little bit, but I, I see maybe eight, seven as being kind of their, their peak in the all important, uh, podcast of champions power. yeah i mean you should have seen it at the pac-12 media day that's all anyone was talking about was the, uh, the power imagine. rankings for the- imagine um so arizona is taking on grambling state coming to town in tucson uh 7 45 p.m on saturday again on the pac-12 network should this should tell you how bad this slate of games is that the second week of the season the first how many we've talked about three games four games three yeah. games most of them on the pac-12 network but it also um, shows how accurate our power poll is because we're starting from yeah. the bottom and those are the teams that are on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, we're starting in the gutter. So Grambling State, there's not even a line on this game. Um, it's great that this is coming now with Solomon's recent injury. You know, if it's a minor thing and they have to hold him out for a week, fine. It's against Grambling State. They should win by three touchdowns anyway. Um, and if it ends up being a longer thing, this will give them a long look at Brandon Dawkins, who will probably be the fill-in um, at quarterback. So... I don't really have much analysis for this one. I think Arizona's just looking to get something going offensively, try to do what they do so they can put up a good put up a good result offensively so that they can carry that into uh their final non conference game and then into the Pac twelve season. So I guess we'll both just pick Arizona by Arizona to win. By yeah. handfuls or whatever and by by dozens of points. Okay. So should we move up to number seven? Let's do it. All right, number seven we have Colorado Buffalo. All right, check the record, somebody, because I think this might be the highest the Buffs have ever been. In Number seven. Podcast of Champions Power Rankings. All right, we, we talked about Oregon State kind of looking like a real team. Um, Colorado just straight looks like a real team. Um, they look good against Colorado State. Like, I was, I was texting with some UCLA people and some others, and uh, everyone was saying, wow, Colorado... They don't look like a, I mean, it's not even like they beat up on a bad opponent. I think Colorado State's going to be a halfway decent team this year. They just look good. Um, you know, it finally looked like it kind of came together for them, uh, both offensively and defensively. They beat Colorado State 44 to seven and the seven for Colorado State came in the fourth quarter in junk time, like in, in just, okay, fine. We'll let you score time. Um, this is a great performance. Sefa Lufau looked really good, but that running game for Colorado looked especially good. Um, they were really able to generate a ton on the ground and defensively. I mean, this might be the best defensive performance for a Colorado team in a decade. I mean, <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating there. It might be. Um, and again, yeah, it was against Colorado State, not a, not a great team, but this, they weren't, they weren't playing some FCS school. I mean, this is a, this is a real college football team that they just beat by 37 points. I'm a, I'm a big buyer on Colorado after watching this game. Uh, you know, Colorado State is legit. I mean, it's a Mountain West team. Um, you know, I think if you know, this weekend, if, if UCLA beats UNLV 44 to seven at home, they'll pretty, feel pretty darn good about it. You know, and I think the yeah. same thing. You, if USC somehow was able to beat Utah State like that, uh, that's a big, I mean, I, I'm on with you. I mean, that's not a, 28 27 late field goal thing. This was domination and they're returning their guy, the, the guy, the, you know, they're returning nine, uh, defenders on defense, but they bring, uh, it was Josh Tupo, I believe back. So he was suspended last year. And I remember talking to Adam Munster Tiger about him being out. What a, what a big loss it was last year. Well, he comes back 
it's almost like they got the entire defense returning. Um, and there's 412 total starts among all those players returning. So that's the most they've had in history. So a lot of, a lot of experience coming back. And sometimes you argue, well, you know, they were four and nine. Um, is that good that they, <laughs> you know, right. uh, but you know, legit. I mean, I think it's, and you saw it out there that this looked like a real team, um, a lot of experience and they can do some damage. You know, I mean, losing to Hawaii last year to start the season sucked. They go to Michigan in a couple of weeks. If they could give Michigan a game, I mean, that, that'll, I mean, obviously that would be impressive, but they're, we thought it would be very bleak looking at that game before. Now it's like, Hey, that, that could be pretty good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, um, just quick, very quick preview of their game. They play at 2.30, um, Idaho State at Colorado. I don't think the game is televised, at least not according to ESPN. Um, and there's no line, so who cares? But they're going to beat Idaho State by a bunch. But if you look at Colorado's schedule, so Ryan and I both take Colorado to win. Um, yes. If their schedule, they're going to beat Idaho State. They're, I, I, even though Oregon State looked like a real team, I think they beat Oregon State. I think they have a real chance against ASU. I think UCLA at home, I, I don't know that I would call it like a straight winnable game, but I would not be shocked if they won that game. Washington State at home wouldn't be shocked. And honestly, I think they'll be competitive with Utah. And if they pull out one road game against, you know, say Arizona on the road, maybe a Solomon-less Arizona team, I'm going to say right now, I think Colorado's going bowling this year. We kind of thought last year they had a shot, and then the Hawaii thing kind of, you know, derailed all that. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's – if they could play like that every week, they'll win some games in the Pac-12. It's not not just Oregon State. They're going to beat some teams. Yeah, I mean, they looked like – they looked good. They looked like a good team. Um, so I, I think they'll win a road game this year. They've got – it's a tough road slate. They've got at Michigan, at Oregon, at USC, at Stanford – um, at Arizona, but I think they win one of those. I, I, they might win two of those. I think they beat Arizona and I think they might win one of the ones that they shouldn't. I mean, I would, I, I, I mean, I sound like I've been drinking the, uh, the Colorado Kool-Aid, but I was really impressed with their opening win. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's a team where you beat, I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of Pac-12 teams wouldn't beat uh, a Mountain West team that badly, uh, not convincingly. Right. So. Yeah. We'll find sure. out this weekend. I mean, you, you know, maybe, maybe they do. Maybe USC and UCLA both like really just take care of business, but that's, that was legit. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on. So top half. So we, that was the bottom half, which Colorado, Dave's high on could jump into the top half, but, um, the top half now we have number six, California Golden Bears. All right, the Sturdy Golden Bears. I think we already went over this game, but they beat Hawaii 51-31, 20 points. Um, Davis Webb looks like he's going to pick up pretty seamlessly from uh, Jared Goff. Um, looks like he's going to run this offense fairly well. I mean, he ran basically the same thing at Texas Tech, so I don't think it's uh, too much of a stretch for him to do that. Uh, do you have anything else to talk about with that game? I think we already went over it. I think we did, and there, it's funny that the Texas Tech correlations, like there's a whole lot there. Um, so it, yeah. just, it just seemed to work. It made Davis Webb that much more comfortable, I guess, with all the, the connections, um, between the two. But, you know, I got three running backs that you really like. The returning offensive line, I think, has been good. You know, trying to replace Goff and all those receivers. Um, you know, I think they lost a lot on defense too, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but we'll see, uh, going all that way. And poor Hawaii had to go all the way to Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor after that. It was like, at least. Criminal. Uh, yeah. At least Cal got a week off. Yeah. Like, man, what's, uh, so I don't know. I don't know if how much that long trip's going to impact those guys, but 
you know, it's nice that they had some time off and then, uh, uh, but they do go on the road again. They have to go to San Diego State, which is like, yeah. don't, don't, what? if you go to Australia, you should get a home game or two, like right after, not a road game. For sure. So this game's going to be at 7.30 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network, which seems weird because this is one of the, I mean, if I was like ranking the games of the day, this might be like top eight. I mean, San Diego State's going to be pretty good this year. Um, so San Diego State's favored by seven. Uh, against Cal, which means the odds makers think that San Diego State's just a fundamentally better team than Cal. And I don't know that I disagree. Um, San Diego State is probably better than Cal. The thing that's with Cal is I still don't have a great feel for him because beating Hawaii by 20, it can mean anything for Cal. Their offense looked pretty good in that game. Um, and I think they could put up some points against the San Diego State team that their defense should be pretty good, but I don't know that it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, any, awesome thing so uh i don't know i'm 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 thinking i'm thinking i'm gonna take cal here i don't i don't think they're gonna win but i i could see this being a kind of a dramatic uh three-point type game so give me san diego state 31 cal 28 something like that all right i like it um yeah seven i mean getting a whole touchdown i mean it's not like inconceivable that cal goes down and wins the game um, I mean, they can score. We'll see what the defense does. They're probably going to give up a bunch of points, but it's not like, oh yeah, Cal winning this game is out of the question. To get a whole touchdown, I think I'm going to get, you know, take Cal on the points as well. Just, I just think, I don't know. I think it's a little bit too high. If it was like a five point spread or something, maybe I'd go with San Diego State, but it's, that's a lot of points. So I think I'm going to take San Diego State probably in the same line of view where I think it'll probably be like a field goal type of game. Um, it's it's hard. Pac-12 teams don't go down to uh, San Diego a whole lot uh, to play the Aztecs, so uh, I think they're going to be fired up uh, for this one. But uh, you know, Cal could be pretty excited too. We saw them go starting five and zero last year. Maybe they keep that rolling, get that rolling again, Dave. So I'll I'll take Cal on the points too. Yeah, and their only hope is explosive offense, and I think this will be the first real test of it because Hawaii was just straight bad. So, all right, moving on. So move on. We have uh, number five. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, so the Sun Devils pretty much took care of business in Game One. Uh, they beat Northern Arizona forty-four to thirteen. It was, I mean, it was they were kind of slow going to start the game. You know, I think Manny Wilkins was still figuring out, figuring it out, the new starting quarterback for ASU. Uh, but they put it on in the second half. Uh, scored thirty-four of their forty-four in the second half, twenty-four in the fourth quarter to really extend the lead um, and make it kind of a laugher. Um, the cool thing for Arizona State is they now, once again, have a dual threat at, at quarterback. Um, Wilkins led the team in rushing as well as passing uh, with 80-90 yards on 14 carries. Um, Demario Richard, Kalen Balaj both had nice games, um, but they were able to kind of diversify their running attack a little bit more, which I think in their offense, which... You know, I, I noticed I, I, it looked pretty much continuous with what Mike Norvell ran, so I don't think that they're going too far afield. Um, but they uh, they were able to generate, you know, a, a good amount of, you know, rushing on the ground. So um, offensively, they looked pretty good in game one. Um, you know, I don't know much about Northern Arizona at all. Um, they didn't look like a great team, and they were able to pass for 369 yards in this game. So... I might pump the brakes on Arizona State's defense being very good this year, um, but I think there were some positive signs in this game. Um, I, I thought Arizona State played pretty well. 
Yeah, just I got to I didn't get to catch the whole thing, but I got some of it and just watching. Uh, I like what Manny Wilkins was was doing out there. I mean, he's pretty big too. He's like six three, and yeah. uh, certainly he's got speed. Um, yeah. and you love the running backs. I mean, just both those guys can can pound the rock and make people. Miss. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch those guys run. But the defensive side is really the question. And you know, they they're going to be aggressive and they're going to blitz a lot and and do all that. But they had the worst pass defense in the nation. <laughs> last year and uh you know didn't look like that good against um you know northern arizona and then you got texas tech coming in and you know they're going to throw the football so that could be a bit of an issue um certainly uh when pass defense is like your worst attribute and you're going to play texas tech um i don't know what that you know what texas tech will throw for if northern arizona is going for like 370 let me tell you what patrick mahomes threw for in game one uh, 30 for 43 for 483 yards and four touchdowns. So, uh, Texas Tech is coming to Tempe, um, at 7 p.m. on Saturday. This one's actually being televised on a real network, Fox Sports One. Oh. Yeah, I know. ASU's favored by two, but the really fun one is the over-under. 80.5. There will be no defense played in this game. At all. 80? Uh, wow. 80.5. So, um, Arizona State's pass defense looked not great against Northern Arizona. Against Texas Tech, which has a legit air raid quarterback and Patrick Mahomes and some weapons at receiver. Um, I think they might give up, they might, they might eclipse 500 passing yards. Um, obviously total yards are fairly meaningless, but, uh, Texas Tech's gonna put up some points on ASU. It's just a question of if, you know, if Manny Wilkins and that offense is ready for that kind of shootout. I have my doubts. I'm kind of thinking this line was misset. I think Texas Tech wins outright. Ooh. I, I think they're just, I think they're going to pick a part in Arizona State secondary that I still don't think is any great shakes. And I think, you know, people have kind of scouted out Todd Graham's defense now. They know what he's going to try to do defensively with all of his blitzing. Um, so I think they might have it figured out. And blitzing a guy like Mahomes, I don't think works out too well for you. He's an accurate guy. He loves hitting those short passes. So, uh, give me Texas Tech to win outright. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the same line. Like when you, I was waiting for the line and I was expecting Texas Tech to be favored by a couple or something. Yeah. I was thinking Texas Tech minus three. So then when it's the other, the other way, that's just my math brains going, okay, well, I obviously think that that's not right. So I have to go with my gut and say, okay, I'm going to take, uh, Texas Tech and get a couple of points. Like, hey, you know, might as well do it. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it'll be kind of a crazy shootout sort of game. Um, I think Arizona State will be able to, to hang with them, but I, I just don't see, I don't see them winning by a touchdown or more. I mean, yeah, maybe they win by a field goal or something and, uh, and they end up covering the spread, but I, I, I just think it's going to be close. So I'll just take the couple of points and probably watch this one on the couch and just enjoy, uh, and just, just, it should be a lot of fun. It'll be a fun yeah. one. It's going to be fun and it'll give us a real impression of Arizona State, which will be good because you don't really get much from those FCS teams unless they lose. And they didn't lose. They looked fine. But uh, this is against a real team. So we'll see, you know, how that offense really looks, how that defense really looks. Okay. So should we move on to number four? Let's do it. Now we're getting to the, this is more of the power. This isn't, you know, everyone down below, seriously, like everyone below that, were you really all that impressed? I mean, yeah, Colorado and stuff, but this is. These are the ones you think have a legit shot at. Oh, like, I, I, I thought USC was impressive. Maybe not for the, the right reasons, but I thought <laughs> I was impressive. These are guys legit shot winning the, winning the division, winning the conference. Not that the other teams don't, but this, these are the ones we kind of feel would. So number four, 
Utah Utes. These two Utes, um, so Utah beat Southern Utah 24 nothing. Um, final score might be a little underwhelming if you were really thinking about this one because Southern Utah, obviously another FCS program. Utah, um, a Power 5 team that's, you know, we here at the Podcast of Champions picked to win the conference, or at least I think on our revised picks last week, we picked to win the conference. Uh, but, it, you know, if you really watch this game, Utah was, I mean, they, they, they were competent. They were, they were fine. Um, and what I thought the most interesting part was they've got themselves a quarterback. Um, Troy Williams wasn't perfect in his first game um, as the starter there, but he was pretty good. Um, 20 of 35 for two touchdowns, um, looked competent running that offense. Um, and their running attack looked pretty good with Troy McCormick and Joe Williams. Looks like they've got a couple of guys who neither of them's as good as Devontae Booker, but combined, they might give them, uh, you know, 90, 80, 90% of what Booker gave them. Um, so I think their offense is maybe going to be a little bit better than I thought, even though it was against Southern Utah and they still only generated 24 points. Um, and then defensively, they shut this team out, which, you can't take a shutout for granted, no matter who the opponent yeah. is. And they completely shut this team down uh, to the tune of uh, 50 plays for 158 yards. So that's uh, just over three yards per play, which uh, that's an impressive performance, no matter if you're going against a high school team or a college team. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, that is impressive. You know, they're going to line play is going to be good. Um, going to be really good. And that's just the signature for Kyle Whittingham. But. Uh, I did like what I saw out of Troy Williams. I don't think any picks, right? I think it was two touchdowns, no picks. Two touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. So Troy McCormick was injured last year, so we didn't really get to see him. Um, but that, you know, like you said, I don't, it's not going to be Deontay Booker, who, uh, did you see? I don't know if you were watching yeah, the NFL game. He fumbled his first carry in the NFL. <laughs> he will never play again. That's sad. Did he not come in again? Was that no, his? I, I'm sure he did, but. Okay. That was uh, sad. But yeah, I was watching that. You know, that's. Because we're Pac-12 guys, we're like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, rooting for him to do well. Yeah, fumble. Uh, poor Luke Keekley, or I think it was Keekley, might have punched it out of there or something. But, um, yeah. So thought you'd score more points against Southern Utah, but I think if you, I'd rather see you win twenty-four nothing than forty-two to twenty or something. You know, where you give up twenty points to it, like giving up no points, like that's all right. Your defense came to play. It's not easy to get a shout out against a scout team, let alone a you know a, a legit team. So, right, pretty good right. there. And yeah, they... that, was, that was impressive. Um, and so this week, um, this is probably, uh, I would say it's probably the best game on the slate for the Pac-12. Um, BYU going at Utah in Salt Lake City, rematch of last year's Las Vegas Bowl, which was a fun, weird game. Um. It's at 4.30 p.m. on Fox. Utah is favored by three. Um, this is this is one that I think for for UCLA fans, it's very interesting because BYU is the next opponent and Utah is on the schedule. But I think for any Pac-12 fan, BYU is playing a lot of Pac-12 teams this year. So you get a good test and gauge of how the different teams stack up based on how they do against BYU. Um, and this obviously has a ton of import anyway because it's uh, the, the so-called Holy War, which I've heard. The people in Utah don't actually enjoy as the name for this one, but uh, it's become so ubiquitous. But I don't even know what I'm picking. Um, I I liked what I saw out of BYU's defense, but I liked what I saw even more out of Utah's defense. I'm not sure which of those offenses I like more. BYU, in theory, Taysom Hill. Um, you know, maybe he's a little rusty in game one, but he might come to play in this one and he could run wild. 
I think I'm taking Utah on the points. I think I'm taking them to cover. Um, I, but I, I think it'll be kind of a score like last year, maybe a little bit lower scoring than the Vegas Bowl, but something like 28-21. Give me that. 28-21. Okay, so you're taking Utah to to cover the spread. Cover the spread. Okay, cool. I'm going to do the same thing. Um, BYU was in a you know tough battle with Arizona, who I don't think is as good as Utah. So not that that means anything. But it means a little something to me. So I'm going to say, I'm going to think Utah's going to win maybe by a touchdown again. I think it was a touchdown in the Vegas Bowl. Right. 35-28 or something like that. So, um, I will take Utah in this one in the Holy War that they don't want to be known as calling, uh, the Holy War. But it's, you know, a lot of crazy stuff because a lot of people know each other in this game. It's kind of like a USC UCLA sort of yep. game where weird stuff can happen. So expect weird stuff. Yeah. And Kalani Sataki was on uh, staff at uh, at Utah. He was, yeah. So there's a lot of uh, interesting ties. There are. All right, should right, we move on, on to number three? Yep. I I, I want to see Troy Williams. I like, have a huge year though. By the way, I just I love loved Troy. watching him in high school. Love Troy Williams. Narbonne High School. What are they? The Gauchos? Are they Gauchos? I think they are. I uh, but rep the city. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got number three. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> So this is kind of a default one, having them number three, because honestly, that UC Davis game wasn't super impressive. Um, Oregon beat UC Davis at home by 25. It was 53-28. Um, but the defense, once again, looked not great. Um, and I think that's what Oregon fans are pinning their hopes on. The defense will be much improved uh, with Brady Hoke as the defensive coordinator, but kind of didn't look awesome. Um, offensively, they looked like Oregon, though. Um, Dakota Prukop, the new guy they're filling in, uh, three touchdowns, 21 for 30, 271 yards. Ran the ball okay for 36 yards. Um, Oregon's rushing attack in general was fine. Uh, 37 carries for 251 yards and you know, almost seven yards per carry and four touchdowns. So a lot to like about Oregon offensively, as there pretty much always is. Um, but defensively, you know, through the air, uh, UC Davis is able to get make some things happen uh, over 300 yards passing. Um, and then on the ground, they ran for, you know, if you don't count sacks, um, they ran for uh, almost four yards of carry. So there's a, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things where you just don't know based on the first game because it was against kind of a lesser opponent. And so they still won by 25. But I think if you were, if you're, if you're a skeptical Oregon fan, then you were looking at this and you see some reasons for concern. Um, if you're one of the optimistic ones, you say, wow, we just beat a team by 25 points. Everything's looking great. So I think there's something for everybody here. I think you've got to be happy that Oregon has once again pulled an FCS quarterback from the well and he's turned out, and I think he's going to turn out to be pretty good. So I believe they started for redshirt freshmen on the offensive line too. So that was kind of, but didn't seem to have any issues. Of course, you're playing, uh, UC Davis, uh, which is, you know, not exactly. But when you talk about that's a 25 point win and you look back at some of the other spreads, you're like, Oh, UCLA's favored by 26. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot of points. You know, that's, that's, it makes you think like this, you know, Oregon can score. And if you would have said they're favored by 26, I think you probably would have taken Oregon and they obviously didn't win by that many. Um, it's weird when you go from a three, four to a four, three, especially with a spread team like Oregon that runs real fast. Usually you see them in the, you know, the, the three, four type of defenses. Um, I think it might take a little time and, but I think the defense will get better, but they had a hard time getting off the field against UC Davis. And, uh, 
that's not a good sign. No, that's uh, that's certainly not. But yeah, Prukop looked like he'll he'll be fine. Like it's not there wasn't any injury. I thought maybe uh, Justin Herbert might get in a little more. Uh, they didn't do that, but uh, we'll see. We'll see that maybe they'll work him. He's a true freshman at quarterback for them, so I don't know if they'll work him in a little bit more at some point. Uh, but I, I think you wanted to try to get Prukop as many snaps as you could just to kind of get ready for the conference season. Absolutely. And so Oregon takes on Virginia at home, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. I almost want to treat this like an FCS opponent because Virginia just lost to one. Uh, they lost to Richmond by like 17 points. Uh, Virginia's really bad this year. Bronco Mendenhall doesn't have much to work with. Uh, going on the road, Oregon's 24th team in the country, and they're favored by 24 points. Um, Over-under in this game is 70 and a half. I like, I like Oregon to cover, and I think I like the over. What, so what's the over? 70 and a half. 70 I think and they're, half. I think they're going to put up another 45 to 50 spot. Pretty yeah. Soon. And I, I kind of think Virginia might not score as many points as you see Davis. I, yeah. I think there's a chance that they hold Virginia to something in the two touchdown range. Yeah. So, so my theory with the, they'll get better with the, the four three and with Brady Hoke. I mean, you got a, you know, Michigan's head coach is your defensive coordinator. I mean, that's legit, you know, uh, yeah. the former head coach. So I'm going to take, uh, Oregon and the points to, um, the Richmond Spiders though. They're no joke. They're right. no joke. They've actually, I think they upset Virginia a couple years ago too. I mean, they're, I, I, again, why you keep scheduling teams like that, I do not know. Yeah. I do not understand it. So it'll take Mendenhall some time there, but, uh, I think it's tough. You're going to make a trip all the way across the country yep. and go play Oregon. Like I just kind of think it's, it's boat race time. So yep. 24 points is not going to be enough. Nope. So number two. Uh, and this is a top 10 team now. And if you notice, the top three teams are all in the north. Um, yep. So number two, we have Washington Huskies. <laughs> the Huskies ran wild on Rutgers. Um, this was a 31-point game at halftime. Um, and it ended up 48-13 over Rutgers last weekend. It was, I mean, it was an impressive beatdown. Um, offensively, Washington was fine. Defensively, they just, they crushed the life out of this Rutgers team. Just killed them. And then special teams, they just made smart plays and they scored two touchdowns on special teams. I mean, this was just a, uh, it was just a kind of a fundamental beatdown. Um, in every facet of the game, they were super efficient offensively, but they didn't even really need to be. Um, the Rutgers could just really get nothing going. For three quarters, Rutgers scored three points. They scored 10 in junk time, but it was so over by that point. Washington looked really good. Um, I know we made a little bit of fun of them for, uh, being, uh, you know, potential national title contenders, but in the Pac-12, I, I don't think there's any argument that they're top two. And I actually had them number one when I first did my power rankings, but when we talked about it, we moved, uh, the surprise number one team to number one, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but Washington looks legit. Uh, they looked, they look very good. Uh, Jake Browning looked super efficient, but defensively, that's where they're going to make their make their mark. And if they can make special teams plays like they were able to in this game, you know, two special teams touchdowns in the same game, uh, they're they're going to win a lot of games this year. There's some explosive athletes on this team, and you can tell it's a well coached team. When they're getting better, we saw how this offense progressed with the true freshman Jake Browning last year, getting better. As the season went on, we saw them replace a whole bunch of guys that went to the NFL on defense and still 
play really well and have the top ranked defense. And it's just another year with, with Chris Peterson, you know, installing what he wants to install. It's just, there's legitimate coaches out there and he's one of them and he's showing you why. And he's turned this program around. They're in the top 10 now. It's going to be fun to see them play Oregon and Stanford. Like the North is going to be great when you're talking about these, the top three teams clashing and yep. playing each other. Uh, it, you know, were you thinking before it's like Stanford and everybody else? I think Washington's going to have something to say about that. We have number two for a reason. And, uh, you know, be- beating Rutgers like they did a power five team, even though Rutgers isn't that good. Um, they're not going to get a test the next couple of weeks. Uh, but you know, in week four, when they go on the road against Arizona, I think you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about, I, I think this is a legit, legit team. Absolutely. So number eight, Washington facing off against Idaho this week, 2 PM game, Pac-12 network. If you're into, you know, watching really nasty, awful things, feel free to watch this game, but Washington's favored by 37 and a half points. I mean, that's a lot of points. That's a lot, a lot of points. I know they just won a game by like 30 plus points, but that's a lot. Uh, I'm going to take Idaho just because it's 37 and a half points, but that's a lot of points and Idaho's not good, but I just g- give me Idaho. Yeah. Uh, not to win though, not straight up, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> to, to lose by like five touchdowns, but right. I, I, I'm same thing. It's like, you know, I think Jake Brown is really good. That there's some struggles at times, though. I could see them, yeah, but, but, uh, or just working on some stuff, or they just pull the starters after halftime. I mean, I could see so many different things that 37 and a half points just seems like way too many. Yeah, like a late touchdown from Idaho against third string dudes or something. I mean, it, that's just so many. Um, yeah, can can Washington go beat them 50 to nothing? They could, but um, I don't see it. There's, a, I mean, there's, I, I, they absolutely could, but I, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of other scenarios where that doesn't happen. So just. Just, I mean, you're, when you're watching the game and you're like, okay, you turn it on and you bet Washington minus 37 and a half. And it's like 17 nothing late in the second quarter. You're like, son of a bit, you know, like something like, I mean, that could happen. Right. And so for um, sure. All right. So Washington, you're real good. Dave's not picking you to win three games this year. Um, <laughs> like last year. <laughs> Cause they're legit. I mean, it's like, this is legit team. At least we think. And yeah, we're, we're, sure. pretty, we're pretty smart about this stuff. Okay. The surprise number one team in our podcast of champion power poll is Stanford Cardinal. And in a bit of an anticlimax, Stanford doesn't even play this week. Um, so last week they played Kansas State on a Friday night. And it's always weird to see a Pac-12 team opening on the, at home on like a Thursday or Friday night, but whatever. Um, Stanford beat Kansas State 26 to 13. And this actually ended up being a little bit more underwhelming than it looked at halftime. Um, if you were watching this game closely, Stanford looked so good in that first half. Offensively, Ryan Burns looked like it was Kevin Hogan with a new number. Um, they ran the ball well. Christian McCaffrey had a punt return called back that was one of the most ridiculous punt returns I've seen. Um, and it was, uh, it was an impressive showing through that first half. You've got to give Kansas State some credit for the second half because I think they made some adjustments, but Stanford also just kind of put the brakes on its own offense a little bit. Um, for whatever reason, so many teams are going to like a dual quarterback system, and Keller Christ came into this game for no reason after Ryan Burns um, let him on a couple of drives. Um, I think they've got to be the Ryan Burns show going forward because he looked really good. Um, 
But I thought Stanford did what they needed to do. They were competent in this first game. They didn't lose to Northwestern in their first game, which is nice. Uh, and I, I think, you know, Stanford always gets better throughout the year. They just always do. That's the mark of a well-coached team, and they're a well-coached team. So I'm anticipating Stanford. They looked very good in week one. You know, we'll just say good. But they looked good in week one, and I think they'll everything will be looking up from here. They've got a week off now, and they're going to play USC in a week and a week and a day. So, um, but what do you think of their first game? Really impressive. Um, and you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to do ridiculous things. I mean, all anyone could talk about was how that punt return. You know, even they're doing the highlights, how that punt return got called back on a weird like. Was that really even a penalty? Like they were kind of spot shadowing yeah. something in the middle. Like really, like you're. You, you bring this great play back because of something like that. Um, but I think the secondary looks good. Uh, they got to get the run defense shored up a little bit. I think as the season goes through, they shouldn't have a whole lot of trouble against USC in two weeks. So they haven't been able to run the football that well. Um, they had a couple of new offensive linemen starting. I think everyone, but they looked like they gelled together pretty well. And like, I agree with you. I think Burns should be the guy. Uh, going forward, but it's going to be, you know, the Christian McCaffrey show. He's going to continue to do all kinds of crazy stuff and not starting with a toe stubbing against a team like Northwestern, I think is going to be very helpful, um, for this team. And, you know, now they'll be the, the, the top 10, top five kind of team for a while until, you know, unless they lose a game in the conference, but. The Pac-12 needs that. They needed that torchbearer. And I think last year, when the best team lost to Northwestern, it it hurt overall, the conference. So now, if they get rolling and they start winning a whole bunch of games, they'll be in the playoff kind of discussion, not hoping someone loses so they can get involved. Uh, so they needed this. They needed a, a solid win. They got it. They look like they're the legit. We know they're legit. Until someone knocks them off, they'll be number one, I think, in our power pole for a, a ways, for a while now. For sure. For sure. So I think that's it for this slate of awful games coming up uh, this weekend. Um, I think next week should be a lot better, just giving it a tentative look ahead. You know, you've got Stanford USC for one, but I think there's a plenty of good games. UCLA BYU should be better than UCLA UNLV. And uh, yeah, it should be a much better week of games uh, this following week. And we'll be back uh, hopefully a little bit earlier in the week next week. Maybe, yeah. we, maybe we record Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll try to do that. And uh yeah, but hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, we'll try to do, we're, we want to do one a week. We're, that's our, definitely our goal. It was cool to do two last year. We did a recap and a preview. It's just not going to be feasible for our schedules and stuff, but, um, we did go over an hour, Dave. You know? This was magical. This was, yeah. this was money. I thought this was great. Hopefully people have time to listen to it before the games tomorrow. I know. Yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll get it up right away. And, uh, I'm going to go head out and cover a high school football game, Dave. Isn't that fun? Have fun. Yay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We are the Podcast of Champions. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.